0: Once again, Ben. Welcome to Back the podcast again.
1: Thanks for having me again.
0: Back again. How long has it been since you're on? Uh, like two weeks.
1: do oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know if that comes through or not.
1: Might we'll see.
0: So we're gonna, I think, do a recap, and obviously yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah. But I already n- have the questions. We know More what questions. More questions. More questions. Oh, don't worry, we got time now. You don't have to yeah. go to Apple. Yeah. We can chill out, yeah. go through the long, drawn-out topics. <laughs> yeah. But the first one, and I know you're going to feel like you're repeating, but yeah. maybe for a lot of people, because
1: yeah. now you're actually going to be like, oh, it's clear, it's clear. I was going to say, now you can actually hear what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was a bit muffled in the last one. Yeah, But give us a bit of a backstory of where or how you grew up in the gym let's say or even before that into high school when sport was sort of a thing and we'll come to the present
1: moment and then we'll go through our topics again all right so quick recap if you didn't listen to the last episode but basically going through high school i just played a lot of soccer um wasn't really interested in weight training or the gym or anything like that um that's pretty much all i did was just play soccer and then uh, as I got a bit older, like towards the, like back end of high school, obviously like a lot of the boys started getting like a bit bigger. They started going to the gym, and um, I just found like not that I was falling behind, but just yeah, like physically, I'm obviously not like the biggest guy, but like I was just getting like muscled off the ball a lot. And yeah, a couple of my coaches in soccer and a couple of my friends and stuff kind of put the idea somewhat in my head. Where they were just like, "Oh, like have you thought about going to the gym?" But I was always like, "Nah, don't need it." Don't worry about it, like just get better at playing soccer. And then so it just never really like latched on until after school when I kind of like stopped playing soccer as much. Um and I was kind of just like it's not that I was bored, I was just kind of like, that was like my identity and that's all I did in terms of like activity. I was like, I just play soccer, like that's all I do. And then once that started to like fade away, I was like, what do I do now? And like obviously like I was going to uni and stuff like that, but I needed something else, like, to balance it out, and so, yeah, probably, like, a year out of school, um, I signed up at, like, this cheesy little gym down the road from me, um, and it was just, like, basic equipment, again, didn't really know what I was doing, um, I just kind of, like, read the little diagrams on the machines, and then I was just like, oh, this is how you do it, and then, so, like, no barbell stuff, really, at all, like, didn't squat, didn't bench, kind of bench, but not really, uh, definitely didn't deadlift. It was just machine work, and that's all I did. And then, um, yeah, I kind of did that for like a year or so. Um, obviously, started to see like some newbie gains, that sort of thing. But I still didn't really know what I was doing. Like, I just went and would just do whatever I wanted to do on that day. Yeah. And then, yeah, if I was going like with a mate or so, I'd just do whatever they were doing. And you pretty much just use a bunch of machines until you got tired, and then you go home. Like, that's pretty much the mentality. No nutrition as well, like no nothing. Like, it was literally just like, show up to the gym, move around for a bit get tired and go home and then it works to the point pretty much and yeah. then so i did that for like i reckon like eight months or so and then i don't remember if that gym closed down or what happened but basically i ended up joining anytime which is like i guess a more like proper like commercial gym that had a lot more equipment and then i got a bit more exposed to like barbell stuff because i would see other people doing it and i yeah. was like this looks kind of cool had no idea what I was doing. Tried back squatting a couple of times and I'm pretty sure like I hurt my back just because I didn't know (laughs) what I was doing. Like no bracing, no nothing, like squatting in like running shoes and stuff like that. And then I was like, yeah, nah, not doing that. And then again, same with deadlifts. Like we'll try to deadlift, probably blow my back out. And then I'd be like, why do people do this? Like it's such a shit exercise. (laughs) And then, yeah, just stuck to the same like mentality I was doing before, which is just go there, like, do a whole bunch of machine work or whatever. Yeah, but definitely following more of like a bro split, which is just like test one day, back one day, so on and so forth. And then I did that for, again, probably like another year or so. And then I started to see you guys around the gym more. And I was like, every time I see these guys, they're always squatting or benching or deadlifting. Like I would, cause I tried it before, but I was like, I don't get the appeal. Like I don't understand why this is so like important. Yeah, and like why do these guys like they're always lift, lifting a lot of weight and like they look pretty jacked and I was like I don't really see them obviously you were doing other stuff but I didn't really see you guys doing anything else and I'm out here like busting my ass on like machines six, seven days a week to make like a tiny bit of muscle and then I'm seeing these other guys come in and just do like a bunch of deadlifts and stuff and they're jacked and I was like this doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> and then anyway just kept doing what I was doing for another like year or so but it was always in my mind where I was just like This is interesting to me, but I don't know anything about it. So I'm not going to pursue it. Yeah. And then I think at the start of 2019, I think, when I started with X-Team. Yeah, I think it was 2019. Yeah, like start of 2019. Who did you consult? Was it Brad? It was Brad. And he told me, I thought I would be signing, like training under him. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I don't have enough time. And he had probably like, what? Five clients or something <laughs> that's a classic so, Brad comment yeah, anyway. I got stitched up the first time and then so I got put with someone else which was fine and like did a, a whole program with them started to actually understand how to like do those compound lifts and how important they are and like because in my head like I was mentioning before where I was just like how are these guys getting like so big from just doing what looked to me like a simple exercise yeah and then you obviously like learn it uses so much more muscle than just like an isolated exercise and because you can lift more weight it's going to transfer into like building more muscle and so on and so forth and then once I got exposed to that it was kind of like a new challenge for me but I was just like okay this seems cool I want to learn how to do this better so I did a couple of programs with one of the ex-team trainers and then there was um yeah a few reasons why it didn't really continue um but yeah after that Again, because I got a taste of it. I was like, oh, I can just do this by myself. So I just kind of ran back a bunch of programs that I did before. Yeah. And then literally just progressive over like up the numbers every week pretty much. Um, and again, made some kind of progress. And then ended up doing my first, like, novice comp in 2020, start of 2020 with Michael. Ooh, a year later. Yeah, with Miss Groove. Because we actually met at my old, at our old job. Um, Wait, so... That was his first comp as well. I think it was his second comp. Oh yeah. But we were like when we met at work, it was like one of the first things we talked about because like we both kind of looked like we lifted. And then he's like, "Oh, do you do powerlifting?" And I was like, "Kind of. Like I do the movements. I don't really compete." And then because he had already done one previously, oh, yeah. I think he did a liftless one. He's like, "Oh, let's do a comp." So then we just signed up for it. Again, I'd never done like a proper like comp prep or anything, so I didn't know what I was doing. I just did a normal program and then just showed up on the day. Was it liftness again? No, it was at the start. It was like in like March. It was that right. Black Flag, but it was in March. And then did that comp, ruined my shoulder. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. after that, I was just, so I saw like a physio. And this is a, one, of, one of the points I wanted to touch on last time, but didn't get time. I saw Ooh. A physio. All right, jump on. I want to get your opinion on this. I right. saw a physio and it was like, yeah, your shoulder's pretty cooked. Um, so yeah, just rest. And then I was like, cool. So I just did. And then didn't really do any, like, lifting at all, probably for, like, a month or two. Not even legs? Well, I couldn't really squat because, like, I couldn't, like, move my arms around. Yeah. Without getting pain. And I think that was around the time where lockdown, the first lockdown happened. So I didn't really have access to anything anyway. But then every time I would try, I'd go, oh, it's been, like, two months. I reckon I can start lifting again. I'd go to, like, pick up. And kilos. My shoulder would hurt. Oh, man. And then I was just stuck in the cycle where I was like, I'd rest for a week. And then yeah. I'd go, okay, I feel better. Like, it doesn't hurt when I move it around. So I'd go to, like, pick up a dumbbell or whatever. Shoulder would hurt. Yeah. Rinse and repeat, pretty much. So, And then when did you find that it helped? Because well, I'll give my opinion after yeah. I do this part. Well, that's the thing. So I got a second opinion from someone else, different physio, I guess, who understood lifting a bit more. Yeah. And... He basically explained to me why I was getting pain and what was causing the pain and what I had to do to strengthen the area, like, around the the issue to stop it from happening again, rather than just doing nothing. Yeah. And once I kind of understood that, that's when I first started to understand how, like, everything's always, like, connected when it comes to, like, lifting and stuff like that. Like, understanding how your body actually moves. Yeah. And if you're getting a pain in a certain area, it could be related to something else rather than just the area that hurts. Anyway, so I started actually rehabbing it a bit and then the lockdown ended and I got back in the gym and that's when I started again with X-Team. But this time I told Brad, I was like, don't offload me to someone else. Like, I want to sign up and I want to actually get coached by you. And then at that point, yeah, I was pretty, pretty chunky because I hadn't trained for like, I reckon it was a solid like six months almost. I hadn't really like lifted anything. Yeah. And then Brad... You remember this. I mentioned this last time. Pretty much I was training at any time, Castle Hill, and Brad calls me on my phone, and he's sitting in the office maybe like 10 meters away from me. And he's like, come to the office. And I sat down and he's like, yeah, you're signing up for PT and we're doing a comp. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like states or it's like a state <laughs> qualifier. And I yeah, was yeah. like, what do you mean? Like I haven't lifted anything over like 60 kilos in like half a year. and he's just like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, and he's like, don't worry, like we'll do it. And so uh, I was like oh, okay and then we did I remember we did like a, a comp prep as my first program back went terribly not really his fault was just because like I hadn't lifted at all <laughs> and so it's not that I was injured or anything it's just I was I still thought I could do the numbers that I hit six months ago uh, yep. before the injury yeah so when he asked me like what numbers are you hitting in training? I was like, yeah, I'm hitting these numbers, but I forgot to include the part where it's like a six, seven month gap of not doing anything. <laughs> so then, yeah, I remember like week one of the program, deadlifting like 120 or something and I was struggling. I was like, this is ridiculous. But before you, you lifted, we like, oh, these numbers are going to be easy. Yeah. Cause I was still, I don't know why I just still had the mindset of like, yeah, if you don't train for six months, nothing happens. Like you don't lose any strength or I was like, "Yeah, I'll get it back in a week or so anyway and I remember distinctly there's a a video where I'm deadlifting and I got you to record it and you're just commentating in the background you're like I was shaking so much and you're just (laughs) like oh good shakes (laughs) you remember that yeah good (laughs) shakes yeah and so like two weeks out from this comp I just told Brad I was like I can't do this like I'm struggling with like probably like 50% of what I was doing before yeah so we like pulled the plug on that and then actually set out a proper like long term game plan of like first of all I wanna lose a whole bunch of weight because I was just fat. And then second of all, I actually wanna like start rebuilding my strength over a longer period of time. Yeah. So it was like a, probably a year long uh, process where we cut a whole bunch of weight. I went all the way down from 82, I think when I started with him, down to 71. Ooh. When we did the state qualifier the following year. 11 kilos. Pretty much, yeah. And I got my strength pretty much back up to where it was at the heavier weight yeah when I was when I was heavier and then from there we kind of shifted our focus again to okay now we're like lean let's try and build properly rather than just gaining weight and some lean tissue not just much, fat much yeah and I actually didn't realize like I always thought I had like a decent amount of muscle mass and I probably did but I was also yeah very like chunky and mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until I lost all the weight and then I was like I was actually just really skinny. <laughs> skinny? Um, yeah, like, if you look at my Oh, sorry, pictures, when you lost the weight. Initially. Yeah, when I lost the weight down. And yeah. I'm sure, like, I would have lost some muscle during that process. But um, I was, like, I told Brad, I was, like, all right, now, like, actually I actually want to build back up again. But I want to do, like, proper, like, a lean build rather than just, again, gaining a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. And that's pretty much where we're at now, I guess, another year later. I mean, a yeah. couple more injuries and stuff sp- sprinkled in there, but... Few sprinkles. Um, we'll probably touch on that in a bit later on the podcast. But, um, yeah, that's basically an overview of what happened.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Well, the first thing that it almost instantaneously comes up with yeah. the uh, the thought the thought process, and yeah. I guess patience that you have. And we'll touch on open mm. uh, open-mindedness in a sec. But what's your mentality when it comes to sort of lifting and injuries, and how do you find you overcome? Let's say
1: setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had my fair share of injuries and setbacks and little niggles and stuff. But um, I think my mentality towards a lot of the time when I was younger and like when I first started with Brad, I looked at stuff like really short term where I was like, I would either get frustrated or like really emotional about it. Cause I was like, oh, like my shoulder hurts when I do this or whatever. Or like, why can't I lift the same weight that I lifted before yeah. after taking six months off because of an injury? And um, everything is very short term, so it's very easy to get, like frustrated and being like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, what's the point? Blah blah blah. So I think part of it is like learning to look a bit more long term and like understand like, yeah, stuff's probably not going my way now, but eventually, if I keep like if I stick with it, it'll eventually like come around. Um, whether the goal is again rehab an injury or like get stronger, that sort of thing, um, it's going to take some time, but it relies on you being like consistent with it. Yeah. So yeah, trying to look at things a bit more long term. But then I think another thing is also like I almost like learnt to I don't know who coined the term, but I heard I hear a lot where people like get comfortable with stuff that's uncomfortable. Where it's kind of like training like weeks on end and like doing basically the same stuff every week is probably like objectively probably not fun. But like you kind of like learn how to enjoy it. Again, yeah. it goes hand in hand with the other point, which is like because you know this is building up to a bigger goal. You kind of fall in love with the process of doing it, and I think once that kind of clicks, you don't see it as like a bad thing anymore. You actually again you learn to enjoy it. We're like, okay, I'm putting like all these little bricks in place so that eventually, I'll have like this big wall. Or whatever.
0: Yeah, actually, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. It's not like. It, because the process doesn't really change. Like, you might no. have new technique, new cue, yeah. new program, whatever it is. Yeah. But essentially, it's the same. Yeah. And it still stays interesting for a lot of people. Yeah, I guess for, like, competition. But I think because you
1: – yeah, how would you explain that? Like, I think another thing, and this might not directly be relevant, but I notice a lot of the time, and this is part of the reason why I made the page where I post, like, all my training stuff, is a lot of people, they often see, like – the last five, ten percent of your training or like comp day or whatever when they see you like at the pinnacle at your peak and all the time they just go oh like that's what it should be all the time and like yeah. that's what they do all the time like go in the gym and just like smash PBs all the time and I tell people a lot of the time I'm like majority of my training is pretty boring like you kind of mentioned like basically doing the same thing for weeks on end just building up to this like peak uh, but p- because people don't see that stuff they expect it to be fun all the time and they expect yeah. it to be Oh, like you're hitting PBs and you're getting that buzz from like doing more weight or like doing more reps, whatever, all the time. But I'm like, a lot of the time, it's not like that. So that's why, like, I wanted to make that page just to show people, like, this is what actually goes into it, and this is the stuff you need to learn to enjoy, so that you can almost enjoy the other stuff more because you know what went into it, rather than just showing up every single day and smashing a PB out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, it's lucky that it's sort of a compound lift where there's so much that can sort of go into making it better and it always makes it i have a feeling that not so much social media but people sort of being hierarchy like you know how someone has a cool car yeah then someone else like "Mm, i want to get a cool car yeah like if someone has a big squat someone's like oh i want to get a big squat like it's turned into that whereas before it used to be do you train or do you not train and then it was are you big or are you lean or And now it's sort of molding into more of, like, that's the performance side of lifting now. Like, yeah. a performance car, some yeah. people don't care yeah. how they look. Yeah. They're just yeah. off the lights, they'll beat anyone. Yeah. yeah. Now it's sort of turning into, all right, who yeah. can lift the most? Yeah,
1: I think that's true. I think also when it comes to, like, your goals, when I first started lifting, my goal was just to gain muscle and, like, get bigger and, like, look better and that sort of thing. And I think the issue with that is it's very, like, it's hard to measure really because it's all subjective like it it's just dependent on how you feel and like it almost seems to me someone I was listening to a podcast similar to uh what we're talking about where they were saying it's almost like a magnet with like is it the two opposing ends or whatever where it's like it's constantly yeah. getting pushed further away like yeah. the closer you get to where you think you want to be it's like Strong. it always seems like it's further away but the good thing that I th- I think about like um I guess powerlifting, like strength training is like, it's all like quantitative, like there's numbers. You're like, yeah, I hit this number and then I hit like a higher number or whatever. So you can actually measure and go, I am like progressing rather than just going, I think I look better today, but then tomorrow, you still look the same, but then tomorrow you're like, oh no, I look a bit flat today or I'm not big enough or whatever. Yeah, you're so right. There's so much data. Yeah, so I think it's easier to actually like focus on it because you can put it down on paper. And I think when I first started training, that's part of the reason why I kind of fell off with that style of training was I just got sick of it. Where I was like, I'm kind of happy with where I'm at, but almost like I just don't have the same fire anymore because I just feel like I'm never gonna get to where I want it to be. Yeah. But then when I started training like for performance, funnily enough, I think I've made a lot more progress in terms of like my body and like muscle mass and stuff. Training for performance, for powerlifting that I have for the last, four years or whatever before that just training to look better if that kind of makes sense it makes a lot of sense yeah. because it's it's funny
0: that uh probably only just two years ago even now people less people say it now yeah but it used to be like oh no i don't do powerlifting because like i'm really trying to focus on my
1: physique yeah do you remember remember when people used yeah. to say that because like, oh, no. powerlifters used to always be like the big guys like the big they kind of look like strong men like yeah big and like big bellies like Your goal is just get as big as possible to move the most amount of weight. Yeah, and I think yeah now it's a lot more. I guess like science based, where they're like talking about a lot more about technique and like leverages and that sort of thing. And it's like yeah, it's evidence backed. Yeah, and a lot more people are go. It's actually probably better if maybe you're a little leaner, have a bit more muscle mass. And I think these days, like a lot of the powerlifters that I follow that are really high end, when they're telling people who are starting out, the number one thing they always say is like just. Gain muscle, like, do a whole bunch of hypertrophy training, build, like, a good foundation first. Yeah. And then start worrying about, like, technique and that sort of thing. Doesn't mean technique's not important when you start, but, like, your goal when you're starting out should be gain as much muscle as you can and then you can fine-tune that technique work later.
0: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And I think what my approach for that is, like, yes, work on your technique, but you don't necessarily need to push. Those compounds as much as say people might think. Yeah, you can grow hypertrophy doing your accessories. Yeah. I know more um, stable lifts, yeah. leg
1: presses, yeah. machines, cables. Yeah. That's gonna you're gonna be able to pump a lot of volume yeah. there. I still think that stuff's good though. I think it's important. Um, I remember I saw a post a while ago where someone was talking about like not being married to the barbell sort of thing. Where it's like, yes, obviously we train for squat, bench, and deadlift, but there is value in like using machines and like using other methods to get to the same goal, if that makes sense. Because similar to what I mentioned before about like enjoying your training, it can get a bit dreary if every session you're just doing squat, bench, deadlift, every single session and just like variations of those, it can get a bit draining for some people. Some people love it and that's fine. But other people might get sick of it where they want something a bit different and whether it means, okay, instead of doing... A barbell rdl to dumbbell rdl it's the same thing pretty much yeah but it seems different because you're not it doesn't seem like you're doing the exact same movement as you were doing before yeah you got that slight variation yeah it's and
0: pretty interesting that um people are getting pretty hooked on it yeah. because it's like most of the time it's like instant now yeah. quick yeah. and this is like long the
1: same thing over yeah. and over again yeah. i always find that weird yeah, yeah. like i get told that quite a bit some of my friends that are they're into fitness but not into powerlifting and they're always like every couple weeks they're like i'm kind of sick of my program i'm going to change it up a bit i'm going to do something different and like i guess for me because i'm now used to that mentality of like eight week blocks pretty much of like the same thing um i just kind of like i'm like when is it going to end like at what point do you just like when you've tried every single exercise and every variation like at what point does it end yeah so i think that's why Some people need to learn, I guess, a bit more discipline in a degree where it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it seems a bit boring doing the same thing all the time. But like, if you stick to it long enough, this is how you're going to get results. Yeah. Because
0: if you think about like a lot of the clients that say come on board, like even you, even Bonner, Mm -hmm. like she, she didn't do that sort of training before. Like she was a, he do weights, but then sort of got introduced to it and then got, yeah into it yeah. obviously like what it's quite addictive yeah. Petra um, even Brad like yeah. it, I don't know what it is but there's some form of switch where yeah. that mentality just changes from like all right separate programs to all right tell me whatever I need to do to yeah. fix my xyz
1: to yeah. make me stronger for x lift yeah I think yeah when you kind of break it down the style of training is pretty much yeah you figure out where your weaknesses are in the main three and then you program in accessories to help work on those weaknesses. And, like, yes, I know some people might say, oh, like, just deadlift more. If you suck at deadlifts, just deadlift more or whatever. And, like, to some degree, yes, but it depends what the issue is. If it's, like, a motor pattern issue where they just can't understand the movement, then potentially just doing it more frequently, they'll learn how to do it better. But if it's more of, like, a... Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, if it's a more minuscule, like, issue that they're having or, like, a more targeted issue that they're having, maybe finding an accessory that just targets that specific issue um, the way I kind of see it is like sometimes it's going to sound a bit cheesy but like you should kind of like use a scalpel instead of a sledgehammer where it's yeah. like if you need to just target this slight issue that someone's having maybe giving them like say someone has an issue with like one glute isn't as strong as the other you could prescribe them heavy hip thrust probably not going to solve the issue because it's just going to use like glutes, hamstrings, probably a little quads, like that sort of thing, where it's like, it's not targeting the actual issue.
0: Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, if but one side's 60% strong, yeah. the other side's 40, you'll do a hip thrust with yeah. 60 40. Yeah. As it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's like, you're not really solving the issue. It's probably a bit, again, too broad to narrow it down. Whereas if you did like a single leg squat or something like that, just on the side or more reps on the side that's the issue, it's a lot more targeted to what you're trying to fix. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. So, that's kind of how I see it, and again, a lot of people would go, oh, like, let me just do one of your programs, and I'm like, well, it's taught, like, it's designed for me, and like, my issues, Yeah. so, I mean, you can do it if you want, but there's this, probably no point. This is my shoulder rehab program, are you Yeah. you sure you want to do it? Yeah. Like, are your shoulders broken? Yeah, people look at no, me, and no they no. go, why are you doing, like, paused leg extensions? I'm like, because my knees suck, like, yeah. if your knees don't suck, you don't need to do them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want, but
0: actually more on the topic of injury because I know we went through like patient side of things and uh, whatnot. What, what helps you when you're injured? Because say, even when you're injured, it's not like people think you're injured because you're just in doing like that rehab. You're like, oh yeah, that's right. But you're like, oh no, this is a new one. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, oh,
1: okay. You're already onto it. Like- I pretty much always have something going on. Um, but I think a, a good thing, and I mentioned this last time, is like doing what you can so a good contrast would be like when I hurt my shoulder back when I did my first comp, and then when I hurt my knee more recently, my approach to like rehab and like how to fix the issue and training around it is completely different. First time, just rested. Didn't do anything pretty much. Um, mostly because I didn't really understand what I had to do, but um, I was just always under the impression, if you just rest, it'll heal, it'll go away, and go back to training. Um, and then the second injury that I got or like major injury which was my knee which was more recently um tendonitis say, oh uh, it was a whole bunch of stuff I had oh. bits of bone floating around in there had some Aye. cysts in my ACL and some other places and wow. it just wasn't a good time but um yeah with that one straight away I went to a trusted health professional a couple of them actually um, and straight away my like my first question was like okay what can I do to help this Or, like, what can I do if I can't do this specific exercise? Like, if I can't squat, what can I do instead? Um, So pretty much from day one, once I got told, like, what the issue was and how it's going to affect my training, me and Brad sat down. It was actually during lockdown, the second one. And we pretty much filled out a plan, and we were like, okay, I can't squat, but I still want to kind of expose myself to, I guess somewhat of a squat movement and like being able to like load the bar on my back and stuff so one of the things we did because I literally could not even squat at all like I couldn't body weight squat we just did heavy like unracks of the bar
0: oh uh, yeah I remember this yeah. yeah
1: and like it seems pointless if you have no idea like what the goal is you're like you're just picking up a bar on your back taking a couple steps back and then re-racking it like what's the point of that but um, again when you kind of understand what the reasoning behind it is which to touch on briefly is like obviously like getting your CNS used to having heavy loads on your back that sort of thing Um, obviously keeping the motor pattern somewhat similar where it's like you're getting used to the position of like the bar on your back, that sort of thing. Um, It's a lot of core stability work as well because I was doing it all beltless as well. Um, Yeah. So like even those little steps back and forth with like 170, 180 kilos on your back is going to do a lot of work for you. Was it 180? I think we worked up to 190 or something. Really? Yeah, because that was kind of the point of it. It was like go heavy so that it's actually challenging. Did it feel heavy to unrack or no? The first couple of weeks, it felt crazy heavy. But yeah. then it actually got easy, like to the end where I was like, this feels comfortable. And then, like, shadow shout squat. Well, I was always <laughs> like tempting Brad. I was like, what would you do if I just tried to squat right now? I mean, I, I would never do it because obviously I, I, would, I knew I was going to blow my knee out. But yeah, we did that. And then like, I couldn't really deadlift off the floor. So we just did um, deadlift off blocks. So like block pulls. Yeah. And gradually lowered the block as like as i felt better and eventually obviously after like eight weeks or so we could get him back down to the ground um and i couldn't really leg drive on bench properly so we tried a couple of things we tried obviously just like last and press to like feet up completely and then we tried just kind of like wedging my feet back but not really pushing through them just kind of like wedging them in place for like stability oh yeah i've done that before yeah Yeah, and then Sorry? Like, when they're back and there's tension on that quad, yeah, it
0: feels good on the knee. Yeah,
1: so it was enough for me to, like, still get some bench work in. Um, and, again, just, again, keep me familiar enough with the movements so that I'm not going, yeah, like, six months without any exposure to them. Yeah. And then it was just a whole bunch of, like, doing what we could and kind of pushing the envelope a little further depending on the pain level. Yeah. And I think the main difference being... After the first injury, kind of didn't really do anything. When I came back, as I said before, was hitting nowhere near the numbers I was hitting before. Everything felt super heavy. Technique was crap, like just after the technique. walkouts. No, no, no. So this is after the first injury. Oh, yep, I didn't yep, do any, yep. like anything properly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like probably the worst thing I could have done because again, just six months of nothing. And then compare that to the second injury, the knee injury, when we came back when we could squat again. I think within one program. Of squatting again. I was back to squatting 150, 160, which is what my max was before. And, and how's your knee now? It's good now. hasn't had any issues for a while, but now I have, like, a weird shoulder thing. But
0: Yeah, numb again, shoulder. Yeah.
1: No, it's not numb. It's just
0: um, super inflamed. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. If you feel like a little niggle come back to the knee, do you do a little bit of rehab?
1: Well, so that's the thing. As part of my last two programs, it's been a staple of having, like, the rehab work built into the program. For example, like oh, yeah. this one I do pause leg extensions and actually like and now plate loaded one at the gym I actually like push against the um, like the top of the machine to kind of like give it more tension if that makes sense oh you push it to make it come back down again yes yeah, so like I'm kind of like extend. pushing it into my knee so it like I have to hold that position Yeah. Um, and again like stuff like that I did a whole bunch of like Spanish squats um, with the bend and then um, like terminal knee extensions that sort of thing um, so that's Instead of it just being like, oh, like rehab, just do it outside of the gym. We actually incorporated it into the program. Yeah. Like you might go
0: leg extension and then into that, which just builds yeah. extra pump, but yeah. it's still like a rehab.
1: Yeah. And then like the tempo pendulum and stuff like that. Like, ah, oh, those were hard. Yeah, they were hard, but they were good. And so we didn't just look at it as like rehab is separate from training, but like it's the same thing basically. Yeah. And I think it's another good way to make sure that people actually adhere to it. I know if you just chuck it at the end of the program, if you just go, oh, it's like, I'm going to do it on your rest days. Most people are going to be like, nah. Well, I'll nah. do it for a week, and then they're like, nah. I want to relax. Yeah, I yeah. so I think it's good that we figured out how to incorporate it into the actual program. Yeah. Um, so that way, not only would I stick to it, but I, again, actually learned to enjoy it a bit more. Because um, I knew, I was like, okay, yeah, tempo, pendulum, like eight seconds sucks. But I know it's going to, like, help strengthen that tendon. So that... Mm. When I'm squatting normally, I'm just not going to get pain.
0: Yeah, you're good at listening, even if it's something you don't like in the program.
1: Well, I'll, I complained every week, like all eight weeks. Again, if you scroll back and look on my, pro, uh, on my profile. What's your profile again? My lifting one, it's gluteus maximus. Uh, let me double check. I think there's a there's an underscore at the end. So it's gluteus maximus. Underscore. And then there's an underscore at the end. All right. Yeah. So if, if, you wanna, if you yeah. want to keep track of my training progress or the complaining you find it yeah basically <laughs> yeah. but um i get actually i got asked that recently if someone was like you're always complaining on your lifting post like you're never satisfied Blah blah blah. and i was like yeah well there's always stuff to work on like yeah every now and then i'll get a, a day where i go yep like today was actually really good and like everything went really well but and everyone's like what but i think that's part of the fun of the sport is like there's always something to work on and I think by now, and by no means am i like a super seasoned lifter, but I'm aware enough of what's going on that I know when I'm doing something incorrectly, or like something not yeah. as efficiently. So I think it's good to be able to sp- pick up on that. And it doesn't mean I'm complaining in the way of like, I'm always bummed out. and I'm like, oh, why yeah. do this suck? It's kind of like, yeah, obviously I'm happy with my progress, but I'm like, I want to progress more. So I want to pick up the stuff that I'm not doing as well and go, okay, I want to work on this for next week. So... Well,
0: speaking in, on the topic of open-mindedness, yeah. I know in the last one, probably people turned it off by this point. So They're like, oh, yeah. I can't hear him. It's too yeah. muffled. Yeah, too muffled. Uh, we talked about, like, there's a bunch of new stuff that comes out mm-hmm. from people everywhere, really, which is good because mm-hmm. they're trying to really, maybe they explain it in a different way yeah. and someone picks up this way a little bit better, but yeah. there's a whole, we're we'll talking about a whole bunch of different stuff but the, oh, I guess you can explain the thing where it's like, don't do this. Yeah.
1: Well, what I mentioned last time was if you go on like YouTube or social media or whatever and you're looking up like fitness advice or training advice, you tend to find, like you mentioned these days, a lot of people posting just really, I guess, like outlandish statements of like, don't do this exercise. This is going to ruin your shoulders. This is going to ruin your knees or whatever. And a lot of people end up contradicting each other because a lot of it is kind of just based off subjective, like, testing. So it's, like... And also, people want, I guess, the attention. Like, and if they if they just go, oh, like, here's a guide on how to lift weights correctly. No one's really going to click on it. But if you go 10 mistakes, like, to avoid when you're lifting or whatever, everyone's going to oh. like, oh, like, got to click on this. Like, i got to make sure I'm not doing anything bad. So, like, I think a lot of it is... There could be some truth in there somewhere, but um, I think a lot of it is just people trying to get attention. Where they're like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, like you shouldn't like if you watch a lot of bodybuilders, they're like no, nah, like don't do squats, don't do deadlifts, blah blah blah. Like there's better exercises to do." And I think, again, to some degree, yeah, if your goal is different, but I think there's nothing wrong with the exercise just because it's not suited to what you're trying to achieve mm. doesn't mean the exercise is wrong. Exactly right. So, and we went through percentages
0: and RPEs.
1: The classic, yeah. There's, um, uh, there's a bit of a buzz going around um, after States that just finished where there was um, a lot of people talking about like that kind of topic where they were like, how do you calculate like, exactly what to do? Because when, you, when you're there on comp day, you see a lot of different approaches from the coaches and the athletes. And so you see how people approach it differently. Some people are very methodical and they go, they know exactly what weight they're going to be hitting every single attempt, that sort of thing. And then you see some people who maybe didn't have the best plan because they might open way too heavy. And you can tell, like, from the first attempt, they probably didn't really have, like, a good plan. And it just brought up, like, a good conversation that I had over the last couple of weeks with people in the gym and that sort of thing. Um, And I brought up a good point to you as well, which is um, a lot of the discussion around, like, whether you should train with RPE, which is, like, rate of perceived exertion, or percentages. Um, or, like, prescribed numbers. Um, And I think, for me personally, I think, and I mentioned this last time, like, you need a bit of both. I don't think, like, one or the other is correct. I think you need a bit of both. Um, And I think a lot of it is, like, dependent on context as well. Like, if you're going to use RPE, it depends a lot on the lifter and how, like, calibrated they are with their own scale of RPE. Um, So, like, some people might... Ooh, that's a good one. Always like... How understood. calibrated you in your scale
0: of RPE? Yeah, because there's good that's ways to test a good it. good way of putting it.
1: Yeah, I watched a video where they were talking about how to test if you're actually like measuring your RPE correctly or not. And it's a simple method. Basically what you do is like say you're doing three sets of whatever exercise and in your head you're like, okay, this is supposed to be an RPE 8. Theoretically, like you should probably have about two-ish reps left afterwards if it's a true RPE 8. So what you do is you go, okay... The first two sets, you log how many like reps you got. And then on the last set, you do an AMRAP, which is as many reps as you can. And basically, if you get an extra two reps, two or so, like say two to three, um, then yeah, you're like, that was a true RP8. But if you blow it out and you get 10 more reps, you yeah. probably undershot what your 8 was. Or if you don't get any extra reps, you probably overshot. Um. Does that kind of make sense?
0: It does. You know, one time I got that th- two years ago, yeah. Co- the coach was like, oh, yeah, you work within RPE8s all yeah. the time. And they gave prescribed range. And they yeah. said, make it an RPE8. Yeah. So they did ranges of percentages, yeah. do an RPE8 yeah. for three sets, and then do a M wrap yeah. for your fourth set. Yeah. So I did RPE8. I did the number. And the, but I don't know how they did it. They backed it off by yeah. like 10 kilos or something, and then say, go for an MRAP. Yeah. And then I was doing fives, yeah. and then I was like, all right, wrap, let's go. yeah. yeah. And I did 15 reps. Yeah, yeah. And then basically
1: he just laughed. Yeah. It's hard to gauge, to be honest. I think you get better at it the, the longer you've been lifting, but it's, there's a lot of um, like external factors that can go into it. Like, obviously, how you slept the night before, how you're eating, that sort of thing. And even just, like, the person themselves. Like, some people will just always undershoot. Like, mm. some people, and I mentioned this last time, like, DC. Oh, Yeah all his lifts look like effortless but then you ask him and he's like nah that was like an eight, seven, eight out of 10 oh it's changing now it's changing now he's but going like, hard yeah some people are just like that where they were always a bit hesitant or like say they're warming up and based off how the warm ups are moving that'll influence their how they like think the next rep's gonna go like their top single and because that's already in their head where they're like my warm up sucked so this is probably gonna suck as well mm. it can like factor into it and like I said I think the seasoned lifters the really experienced lifters they're able to like block that out and they can keep a more level head but I think for the vast majority of people it's so hard to scale it unless again you're exposed to that style of training frequently Yeah. so I think it's good to have a range and just go okay you should be aiming for like this number and it's not set in stone but like aim for this number but if it's obviously too easy way too easy yeah you can go up it's probably not gonna harm yeah. program but if it's too hard on the build up to it then yeah back it off like use your brain a little bit yeah but um that's what i was saying i think you need a bit of both um i think if you rely solely on one or the other like if you just had a prescribed number every week and it was set in stone well like yeah say you didn't sleep that well you didn't eat that well or, like life happens or you're just having an off day like i think it's dangerous because not only could you increase like risk of injury that sort of thing if it's too high but it can also cause you to become like discouraged with training where you're like, yeah. Oh, like last week was sucked. Like it was so heavy. And then you go into the next training week and you go last week sucked. So you're just like not in the right headspace for it. Then and then this it, week's going to suck. And yeah. That. And then it can easily turn into that thing. And then you start to yeah. just dread training because you're like, I need these numbers to be lowered for whatever reason, or I need these numbers to be raised. If yep. you think everything's too easy. Um, one of the points I was going to mention last time, have you ever heard of like being in a state of flow? Uh, sort of
0: yeah. like when everything's just going right.
1: Yeah. Basically there's a, um, if you guys look this up, um, if you just go on Google images and just type in like state of flow, or like flow diagram or whatever, basically there's like two axes and on one of them, it's like the challenge or the stimulus. And then the other one's like your skill level. Yeah. And the, the flow state is like literally almost like a 45 degree angle in the middle where it's like your skill level matches the challenge. Um, that's at hand. So for example, say we're still training. If your training's too easy, you're going to boredom because the challenge isn't up to your skill level. Yeah. So you get bored because you're like, this is too easy. I don't want to do this anymore. But if it's too hard, you go into like anxiety and stress because you, you look at your program and you're like, how am I going to hit 200, 300, whatever, like whatever the weight is. Because you, like you're not at that level yet. So it's too high for you and you go into anxiety. And yep. so I think, the best way to program for people is to keep it somewhere in that range, and obviously periodically you got to like push people out of their comfort zone a little bit. But um, like the vast majority of the training should be within that flow state, which means they'll actually probably more than likely like stick to it and learn to enjoy it because it's not too much, but it's also just enough that they don't get sick of it. Yeah, I guess it is more so those emotions as yeah. well. because yeah. if
0: you could push someone and they, even if they get the rep, they're yeah. like, wow, that was. Crazily hard, and it's heavier next week. So how am I going to do it? And that, yeah, that maybe fear or not sureness comes into play, and then they they're not as focused, so they don't do
1: as well. Yeah, and you see this. I think you see this at comp as well. Like some people, it's the same environment for everyone. Like you're there. There's the same people in the crowd. There's the same judges. It's the same event. Some people under that pressure, they go. Like it almost like fuels them, and they almost like overperform because they can harness that into like hype or whatever, and then they can perform at their best. Some people, again, same environment, but they just kind of crumble where they go too much pressure. Like I can't deal with it, blah blah blah. And so again, linking back to the previous point, they might think that say their opening attempt it might move well, but in their mind, they're like no, nah, that was so hard, like it was so heavy, blah blah blah, because of all the other factors that are playing into it. Yeah. So I think yes, it's important to obviously gauge what you're feeling and how you feel something moved or felt. But I think it's good to have more of like a objective number, or like an objective goal. Yeah. And again, I think neither of them are set in stone. You've got to use both of them together. Um, and another thing is like simple things like film your training. Like this happened to me just the other day with squats where like, but I didn't I feel great at all. Like I felt ah. tired doing my warm ups, I was like, this doesn't feel that good. Um but again we still had like a target number that we wanted to hit that day and we got it and again I look back at the video and I'm like, yeah, that was probably around like an RP eight, eight and a half maybe, which it is what it meant feel. to be. Probably felt in my mind probably like a nine, nine Ooh. and a half. Like it felt slow and grindy and I felt like my form was all over the place. And again, I went back and watched it. And also like watched it a little later as well, like when you're a bit more I guess like emotionally removed from it if that makes sense i know what you mean yeah like not tired yeah it's been
0: a while and you're like oh yeah
1: five reps left yeah and like you go back and watch it a bit later and you go oh yeah that actually moved like decent yeah um so yeah i think they're both equally important um but again these days there's a lot of talk where people are like nah don't don't deal with like percentages and prescribe loads and stuff like you just got to base it off rpe and then vice versa it's over like rpe is too inconsistent you gotta focus on just like hit these numbers every week yeah and i was like i think again like with most things it's somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle
0: flow yeah. state yeah pretty much but also with the, uh back onto rpe i obviously coach people as well and i'm pretty sure that if i just said everyone right rpe only that's well, my clients uh and you said all right, the good thing about this is if you've had a bad day yeah. and you're not feeling good yeah. and you're depressed and you haven't had food and you had not had sleep, yeah. you can actually back the weight down. Yeah. But even if they if they didn't do that yeah. and they did the weight, yeah. they would have still not been able to get it and they were actually in a physically good state to yeah. do it. Yeah. Then they
1: potentially missed out on that. It's not. Possibly. And I think that's like the main argument for is, like you mentioned, it's to control the variables outside of the gym. So it goes, yeah, if you had like all these bad external factors you can still train to like where you feel like you're being challenged enough but like i mentioned previously it does depend a lot on the person so like it could end up being like a slippery slope where someone just goes they'll look they'll start nitpicking at any little external factor that could affect their training they're go, nah, I got to back it off this week because oh, i don't know like i had one liter of water instead of one and a half or like yeah i didn't have my full breakfast i ate like one muffin less or whatever, like whatever it is. English muffins. One English muffin less or yeah. ran out of peanut butter so I didn't have my peanut butter in the morning so I can't train today. Like, it, I'm obviously not saying that that's what happens, but it, it can get into that point where people are so fixated on, oh, like how exactly do I feel today? Like if I'm even like one degree off, oh, like is this gonna affect my top set, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think, and we mentioned this in the last podcast, it was like, they're all tools that you can use I think as a coach, um, your job is like figure out how the client kind of reacts to that sort of thing. If you think that they're level-headed enough and they can kind of deal with basing their training off how they're feeling, then I think RPE could be a good option for them. But if it's someone who from week to week, they're kind of a bit all over the place, sometimes having that more structured approach of like, yeah, you have like this number, like this range to hit, obviously if you feel worse or better or whatever you can change around a bit but um,
0: yeah i guess the biggest thing about coaching is you get to learn someone so much as well like brad would know how certain things are and you communicate to him quite a lot as well so it's not (laughs) like oh no like yeah fair enough he might be in a session when you're doing your session so you can't get that feedback straight away but
1: human beings yeah don't change too much nah. from week to week. Like, he knows every, pretty much every session, every Monday he comes in and he goes, how are you going? And I'm, like, tired. But he knows that, like, I'm kind of always going to say that. Yeah. It doesn't mean he has to panic and go, oh, like, oh. let's drop the weight because he's tired today. Same thing again. Like, I, last, this week I hadn't really slept that well. But I told him, I was like, I feel like I'm up to, like, the challenge. Obviously, I didn't feel the best, but I knew I was at least within say half an rp if we're going to use that of like where i could be does that make sense like i knew i was like i can still probably hit the 165 or whatever it might be a little harder than it should be and i might have to dig a little deeper but um i know it's not because we're like overshooting the numbers it's just because i had a shitty sleep for the last couple nights yeah so it doesn't mean we're like derailing the whole program if that makes sense Um, yeah and i think you mentioned this kind of previously where you're like sometimes people potentially drop the weight and miss out on, like, I guess, progress in some degree. And I think that's why some people don't like percentage-based training because they're like, what if you feel really good on a day but you're only told to hit a certain weight? Mm. And I was like, okay, potentially say, okay, say it's like a 170 deadlift or whatever, 180 deadlift. And you've done it before but this time you're supposed to hit it at like RP8. So I guess if you if you just focus on the number and say it moves really really quick I think that's still progress like you don't necessarily have to have gone up um, to like 185 190 even just because you're like you felt better doing the same weight for the same rep but moving faster is still progress does that kind of make sense but I think people get almost fixated where they're like but you could have gone higher and I was like yeah I could have and it could have moved the the same yeah it could have moved the same like a 185 could have moved The same as the old 180 yeah but it's in my mind i'm like it's the same as just hitting 180 faster because you know okay well if i hit this faster than i did before and like better technique and stuff i've made progress you don't necessarily have to be fixated on like the top end number
0: yeah i get what you mean plus top sets what's it for keep neuromuscular yeah um adaptations happening getting just heavier weights learning technique heavier weights and
1: then the volume work is obviously where yeah a lot of the work gets done yeah yeah. Um, again and it's happened before where it's like I feel really good but then I might misgroove a top set. Yeah. And it moves really slow. It's not moving slow cuz I'm tired. Yeah. Or because it's like a harder RPE. It's just cuz I messed up the technique. Well where do you get
0: this sort of really mega open-minded sort of thought pattern? Cuz a lot of people are sort of like either one they uh actually not many people self-coach these days, mm-hmm. but either one they just push out what only yeah. their coach says. And don't talk about anything else. (laughs) Or two, they... Well, yeah, that's what they mostly do. Well,
1: I think if you talk to some people, they might think that I'm stubborn to some degree because they're like, oh, you just talk about whatever Brad says. And I was like, well, me and Brad talk about different things and I give him ideas and he gives me ideas and we work it out. So to some degree, yeah, what Brad's telling me, I tend to stick with because it's what works for me because we've already had that discussion about should we do it this way? Should we do it that way? Internally... But I think one of the reasons to answer your question is um, a lot, like I surround myself with a lot of people who have different training methods and different training ideas. And um, I think you can be open minded without actually adopting their approach. Because, like, someone else, say, like Michael, obviously has his ways of training and his techniques and stuff. And he's made a lot of progress doing that. So it's not fair for me to be like, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Like, it might not work for me, but it obviously works for him because he's made progress with it but I think that also goes the other way where it's like, you can still be open-minded and say, yeah, I understand that this works for you. And like, that could be good, but it just doesn't work for me. And it doesn't mean I'm being closed minded. It's that I've tried it and it doesn't work for me because of like biological reasons or whatever. Like, it's just, we're built like different. We have different leverages, that sort of thing. Um, One of the most recent things we were talking about, me and Michael, we weren't arguing about it. We were just discussing about on bench, about like retracting when you're setting up a bench. And, Similar to that point is about like leg drive as well on bench. So you have some people that say, oh, like when you're trying to produce leg drive on bench, you should almost do, have you heard of like the dynamic approach and then the static approach? No, you have to Basically what they mean is like, some people when they do bench press, they kind of use, say like, I don't know exactly what the number is, but like a, a portion of their leg drive at the start, and then once they get the bar to the chest on the kind of press motion, they increase the amount of leg drive. So it's a bit more dynamic because it's not the same amount. But then other people say, no, just like lock in your leg drive from the unrack and then just hold it for the whole rep. Yeah. And again, is one right or wrong? I don't think either is right or wrong. I think it depends on the person.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Cause yeah. You like, oh the biggest bench fresh in the world does yeah. it yeah it's like oh but the biggest bench press in the world yeah. also weighs 150 kilos yeah and, and there's it.
1: other factors into it I, I was actually reading about this recently where they were saying the people who tend to kind of sink the bar into their chest more prefer the dynamic leg drive because it just works better with their technique but people who tend with most of us with like um i don't think any of us are like really like super heavyweights. yeah um we tend to prefer like more of a soft touch so for us having that constant tension constant leg drive works better than trying to change it like mid rep yeah um anyway basically going back to my previous point was about like the retraction thing um he's always banging on about kind of i guess you can almost call it like a dynamic retraction whereas for me like i set my shoulders from the unrack and then i just hold in that position pretty much the whole rep and when i tried not doing that that's when I inflamed my shoulder. And I think the uh. reason was, is a lot of the people that tend to prefer the whole like scaps free thing, they tend to have like a really good arch. And I think, and again, I'm, I'm just spitballing, I'm not an expert, but this is just what I noticed is again, the people who say, yeah, yeah, like free the scaps, don't worry about like um, locking your shoulders in place um, from the start. Because they have such a good arch and the range of motion is decreased, they're only there's, there's a lot less movement in their shoulder anyway because well like as they start to like retract and as they start to go down the bar's going to hit their chest. But yeah. some other people like myself don't have a great arch. Yes, for the first portion of the lift is fine, but then at some point there's just going to be too much movement like in order to keep the bar coming down to the chest without retracting as much as I can, I'm going to have to almost like protract. Yeah, which is what aggravated my shoulder. So again and, and i've noticed this just from like watching a whole bunch of different lifters some people that have really really big arches and can hold it and one of the points i was, I was um, reading about was they was saying that in some degrees too much retraction if you have a really big arch can actually limit the amount of um, like extension you can get in your spine which again if you're a really big arch bencher your goal is to get as much extensions you can yeah through the it makes sense not to retract as much yeah because you're going to take away from essentially what your like skill is which is getting yeah your chest like as close to the bar as possible other people like myself i don't have that mobility yeah so for me it's more important to hold what i can get and the easiest way for me to do that is by locking my shoulders back as hard as i can from the start and then just holding that for the rep and I've experimented, again, I've experimented with both and I tried the whole like scaps breathing, and I just ended up pissing my shoulders off. Yeah. So I was like... That's a good and point. And it was at that range pretty much from like about an inch off my chest that I was getting crazy pain and instability. Yeah. And again, this is just me kind of connecting the dots. This could be completely wrong but basically it's me connecting the dots is from what I've noticed is a lot of the people preaching it, that's their advantage is that they can, they can get away with it because they have that really high arch. So it's not in that zone where it becomes I hate to use the word like dangerous but like it it's not in that range where there'll be too much movement in the shoulder
0: I think you mean like as you're coming down like they don't have to come down all this way yeah. it's sort of like the here Yeah. so there's already a bit more health through that shoulder yeah. whereas at the further back you come the sort of more forward that exactly, shoulder wants yeah. to pop yeah. yeah I get what you mean so
1: again that's one of the reasons why I just don't adopt that approach is because I'm like I've tried it and it doesn't work yeah. for me not only is it just not as like comfortable or like not as efficient because I can't lift the same amount of weight. It actually caused an injury for me. Yeah, which then sets you back, and it's like exactly. And then right away when I swapped back to just retracting my shoulders and pinning them back, my bench has been fine. And like yeah. I know always, and Brad also says this is like correlation doesn't equal causation. But in my from my experience, I think that was the reason. When I saw a couple of like health professionals, they like more than likely that's the reason. Is the reason you're getting a lot of shoulder pain is there's not a lot of stability in your shoulder because you're not really, like, locking them in place properly.
0: Yeah, because I think the big one that's pushed out is just to press, don't retract, and then yeah. let your legs sort of lock your shoulders into place. Yeah. I think the free the scap thing might be a bit
1: different. Yeah, uh, but I think yeah. at the end of the day, and like I mentioned before, you're both arguing for the same point, essentially, which is get as much extension as you can, get your chest as close to the bar as possible and whether you need to leave your scaps free to, in order to do that or you need to hold them in place because that's all you can get and you just need to hold that position again you're arguing for the same point same with like the leg drive thing whether you do 100% leg drive from the start and hold it the whole rep or do it only from the press command your goal is still get as much leg drive as you can Yeah. whichever way you do it depends on the individual
0: so yeah it's like um Someone could randomly just throw out, like, all right, now, in terms of leg drive, what yeah. I want you to do, put it at 50% as you're coming down, yeah. through the middle of the rep, put 100, yeah. and then when you touch your chest, put it back to 50, yeah. again. and then as you get a press, once you're at halfway, yeah. put 100, and then yeah. put it back And down it's like, 50 how are you going like, up. for me,
1: I'm like, how am I going to gauge in my head, like, how, what if I'm doing 30% or what if I'm doing 60%? Like, it's, for me, it works better when I just get it all sorted from the start and then just hold that uh, position okay. for the whole rep. Yeah. Um, and, again, people have seen success doing both things. It doesn't necessarily mean one's wrong or one's right. It's just if you fit that mold and it works for you better, do it. And would you still be open to,
0: say, you improved your mobility and your thoracic's still high, would yeah. you be still open to, all right, now maybe well, that tactical Biggest work. thing,
1: to answer your question, um, you led into this perfectly. Back when I was benching before, and we were always taught, like, get your feet as far back as possible because – It'll help create more of that arch. Um, And you can kind of hold it in place a bit better. You don't have to worry about your feet slipping out, whatever. You'll notice these days there's a greater shift towards pushing your feet out further forward. Like over 90 degree knees. Yeah. 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 Um, Or like at least at 90 degrees rather than getting them cranked back as far as you can. And so this is one of the things. When I first started with Brad, my mobility was worse than it is now pretty much flat back bench so in order to get even the tiniest bit of an arch i had to crank my feet back as far as i could even at one point i was benching in squat shoes to just get that extra little bit further back yeah but as it improved now if you watch my videos and stuff i've adopted more of a feet forward not necessarily fully forward but like at least 90 degrees or if not a little further forward because my back mobility has gotten better to the point where now I can get more efficient leg drive pushing out rather than just pushing my heels down into the ground if that kind of makes sense yeah that makes sense and so yeah like as your leverages change as your mobility change or whatever you should be trying to modify your technique to get the most out of it so I think that's probably part of the reason why I'm a bit more open-minded towards it because I'm like yes, this might not work for me now. You might meet me again in a year from now and I might be like, yeah, yeah, scaps free, blah, blah, blah. Free those scabs. Yeah, and like I could, it could bring success to me if I'm at that point. Yeah. But right now it's not. So, and it's not me saying that it's wrong. It's just like, I've tried it. It doesn't work for me. Like I'll keep it in my pocket for later sort of thing. That's so
0: true actually. Like mobility, stability, strength in certain areas, injury, like, all those
1: things are probably going to impact how well someone can implement given advice, right? Yeah. And it's like also, I guess also as a coach in in some degree, like if you can almost like screen the client first and you can go, okay, this guy is a lot more glute dominant and hamstring dominant. He's probably going to prefer a low bar squat to a high bar squat, even if they don't do it from the start. Yeah. Because you've already picked up on that. You know they're going to get more success with that. So it might be worth implementing that change, which to them, if they've never done it before, they go, this hurts my shoulders, this feels weird, like, why is the bar so far back, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it, again, it doesn't mean something's right or wrong. Like, if you look at, um, some people say, oh, like, high bar is better than low bar squatting. Yeah, And John I Hack. I was about to say, for majority of people, it's not true. You can lift more weight doing low bar, but there's people out there like John Hack, who can squat high bar and get crazy weights and and make a lot of progress and probably be like one off if not the best in the world, doing it differently, doing high bar. So, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, the same as the whole like sumo conventional blah blah blah. Like, there's already there's so many different ways of doing the same thing. I think again, go to any comp, watch the whole flight. I don't think any two people are going to lift all three lifts the exact same as someone like the else. The exact. Yeah. So like, like someone might have similar squat, but then their bench is different. Yeah, and then or like their feet might be really close together, really far forward, or really close together, further apart, or further apart and really far back. Or like any, pretty much any of those. They might have high arch, low arch, that sort of thing, like wide grip position, more of like a, a close grip position. Um, there's like, there's so many tools that you can use. So I think it's, I think you should be trying to experiment with all of them and figure out what works for you. And if something doesn't work for you, it doesn't mean it's a blanket. No, it doesn't work for me at all. It's never going to work for me. It's like, okay, this doesn't work right now. Maybe later on down the line, like you mentioned, if you improve your mobility, improve your technique, that sort of thing, might be worth exploring it, say, in the off-season or whatever. Explore with, like, a different technique and go, oh, this might actually feel a bit better. Or, like, say if you're plateauing on a certain lift or whatever, maybe changing your technique up to something that previously you thought was, like, wrong or, like, didn't work for you might be the answer to like breaking through that plateau yeah no, that's a good one
0: so you take him take the tools yeah. keep in the pocket yeah. ready to go yeah well still on the term of open-mindedness yeah. so you know how you're at the start and then you're like pumping six days a week yeah. seven days a week yeah oh barbells once again oh barbell squats hurt my back yeah someone's like no they're really good and yeah you're like, no they're not they're yeah. bad yeah just fold in half every every yeah. Rope. Yeah. um what and i asked you last time what's your advice to someone that's sort of in that situation because i know there's quite a few people even that i know that are sort of in that situation not any particulars like it could be program hopping or stalling or getting injured and thinking like lifting's not for them like what's your advice to them to get out of that spot you're in
1: it for a few years seven days a week yeah i think for like general population because um, obviously I feel like if, you, if you're into powerlifting more than likely like you mentioned like you probably got a coach or at least you know enough about programming to coach yourself to like make progress but I guess the general population is um, and I mentioned this last time is like less is more like you don't have to be training six, seven days a week you don't have to do two hour sessions and absolutely like trash your body it goes again back to what I said before about the whole like flow state a lot of people go in and they go, nah, if I, if I like, in order to work out efficiently or to work out properly, I need to like feel the burn. I need to like destroy my body pretty much. Otherwise I didn't do anything. Yeah. And a lot of the time it's too much. And they go into like stress and anxiety because of it, because you then have to tell them, okay, look how sore and like achy and everything you are now. Now go and do it again tomorrow and then do it the day after that and then do it the day after that. They're probably not going to stick to it. Yeah. Um, So pull it back a bit and get it in that sweet spot and then do things that you enjoy. Like you don't have to be pumping like heavy weights all the time if you don't enjoy doing it. Like do maybe two or three like weight sessions a week and then if you want to go for a run or go for a swim or whatever. Yeah, that's right. You can do that. Like you're still going to make progress just because you're not in the gym slamming weights six days a week. You can still build muscle. um, You can still like improve your body, that sort of thing. And look, if you then want to take it further and you go, okay – I actually want to, like, pursue this goal more seriously, then get a coach and get, like, a structured program, that sort of thing. Yeah. But in terms of, like, just general population, um, yeah, just, like, pull it back a little bit and just focus more on consistency. Like, you'll make progress if you just stick to it long enough. Like, um, there's no crazy, like, hidden secret or hidden, like, trick to... Six-pack shortcut. Yeah, and, like... Touching on that point I remember back when I was young and I was watching all these like YouTube videos and stuff and yeah I don't know what the fixation with is like feeling the burn with stuff because I've seen some things online like um, on like Instagram and stuff all these like fitness influencers posting these workouts they're like oh it's like a 15 minute workout you can do at home and like you'll feel the burn I'm like well, you feel the burn with anything like if I told you to put your arm in the air for 20 minutes yeah, just you'll feel the there. burn in your shoulder So that's how you do it just yeah, it. get I mean, that burn like, you're not really doing that much to be honest. Um, So I think you should probably invest in like a gym membership. And then like I mentioned at the start, majority of the machines have a little diagram on it. If you don't know what you're doing and you don't want to pursue getting like a PT or anything like that, just look at the diagram and you can figure out how it works. I'm sure. And then just pick maybe three or four machines that you know how they work and like you're comfortable using them. And kind of build yourself like your own little like day one sort of thing and then do the same maybe like two or three days and then just kind of focus on doing it consistently and consistently doesn't mean yeah like six days a week but say at least every week two or three sessions a week um for like say 30 minutes 40 minutes like it doesn't need to be anything more than that i feel like when you get to that point where you've gotten that buzz from the workout where you like you actually feel good that should be the point where you kind of like it quits rather than pushing it too far where you get exhausted and you're like, yep, I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. Cause then you're like, I have to do this again tomorrow. Won't train tomorrow. Actually, yeah. Didn't train tomorrow. No, yeah. this week. It's all good. Yeah. So I guess make it instead of doing like a 10 out of 10 every day, do like a six, seven out of 10, three or four times a week, two to three times a week, depending on your schedule. Yeah. Um, and just try and stick with it as much as you can. Um, and like, understand that it's a lot more forgiving than you think. Like, if you skip one workout, you're not going to lose like a kilo of muscle. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like, if you if you with your diet, like if you eat out one day, you go and get fast food or whatever with your friends, you're not going to ruin your whole diet. Like, yeah, it's that's not, right. It's not that hyper specific where it depends on you doing the exact like correct thing every single day. It's like yes. Life happens. Like if you're going out for drinks with your friends or whatever, like you can still have a drink with them and that sort of thing. Like you're not gonna derail your whole thing, uh your whole like training Atrophy from um. one one bottle. Yeah, yeah. Like overall consistency, similar to what I mentioned at the start, is like take a step back and stop looking at everything from like such a short term thing. Yeah. Like if you kind of fall in love with that process, you look back after six months or whatever and you go, Wow, I actually made a lot of progress rather than looking at it every week or like looking at yourself in the mirror every single week and going, oh, like, why am I not big enough? Like, why why don't I have bicep now? Why don't I have, like, a bigger chest or whatever? Instantaneously. Yeah, it's like, just stop focusing on it for a little bit um, and then just get in the habit of being consistent and, um, yeah, eventually, like, you'll start to see more progress and then I think once you get that, like, buzz from the progress, that's what drives you to keep sticking with it. Yeah, it's like that first part that's really hard, but once you get hooked on it and you go, oh, okay, the addiction process starts. Yeah, and then it gets easier the more you do it. And so, like again, I, I got asked this. I think you asked me this in the gym the other day when you were like, was it Carpo or someone that was like, oh, like this guy just shows up whether he's injured, whether he doesn't feel good. Yeah, Carpo. Like yeah, and I was like, and you're like, oh, like what's your secret or whatever to it? And I was like, it gets easier the more you've done it. Yeah, because again, I have so many. Bad days to look back on And I go Okay well I had a bad day in the past And I know it was just Isolated It was just a one day thing But then I still made progress after that Yeah So it makes you Like hindsight's a bit Like it's pretty powerful Where you can go Okay Yeah I had a shitty time in the past But I know I got through it And I know like I progressed So I might be having a shitty session now Or I might be injured now Whatever But Just gotta knuckle down Like stick with it Stick with the rehab And eventually You'll get past it And you'll still like Keep progressing and stuff Yeah so it does get a bit easier. So I know it's a bit of a cop out because a lot of the people that are starting out are like, "Well, oh, how do I get like discipline? How do I get consistent and stuff? And I'm like, You just gotta stick with it long enough and it will come. Yeah. So So the wise wise words from men. Yeah, trying to. And so there's
0: stick with it long enough you get there. Yeah. And one more thing that I picked out from this podcast was
1: how calibrated are you with <laughs> rating or yeah. judging your RPEs? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to work on it, like I said, you can do that little trick of um, like M wrapping your last set yeah. and see if you're actually gauging it properly. Yeah. Um, or well, yeah, like and do you actually get a failure? Well, yeah, like not on like a compound lift, say like on oh. an accessory or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's a good way to be able to like gauge where you're at. Yeah. Um, so
0: that's the the tools from the train. Yeah. Give well, it a
1: crack and see how
0: you go. Give it a crack. See how you go. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up the podcast. Yeah. Now this audio better be better, but, <laughs> Thank you for be. coming back again. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. some interesting conversation. So no how calibrated are you with your RPE training? Yeah, get calibrated. <laughs> <laughs>